2: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's hour two on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board for as long as you can stay, whether you're watching or listening or doing both, because you can watch and listen. But if you're just listening, maybe it's on the radio. iHeartRadio, Radio, Fox Sports Radio. TV-wise, our streaming partners, Peacock. Download the app. You can watch for free. Emails, tweets, phone calls, all the above are welcome. We got another stat of the day coming up. That's brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. First hour, we talked a lot of college football. The rankings came out. What could happen this weekend? Don't sleep on Baylor and TCU because TCU is favored by two and a half at Baylor. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at Show. Kentucky lost to Michigan State last night. Michigan State not ranked. Kentucky ranked number four. Number six, Kansas rallied to beat number seven, Duke, by five. Kansas has now won 14 consecutive games. That's the longest active winning streak in the nation. Did watch Luka Doncic for the first half. I didn't watch the second half because they were blowing out the Clippers. Well, the Clippers came back, took the lead, and then Luka Doncic had 35, had an unbelievable three-pointer that he made that sealed the win. So right now, Luka Doncic is one of four players in the last 60 years to have eight or more games of 35 or more points through his team's first 13 games of a season. Okay, I'll run that by you again. There have been four players in the last 60 years who had eight or more games of at least 35 points through the first 13 games of the season. No, I'm not done yet. I didn't tell you the other players, Marvin. That look, that sounded good as by itself. Do you want to? Okay. Give me the players. So it's Luca, and then it's Paulie. James Harden. James Harden. Bloop. My, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. So Harden had 10 games. Jordan had nine. And who is the other one? I'll even give give you the year, 1966. Hmm. Had at least 35 points in eight of the first 13 games his team played. Yes, Paulie.
3: Uh, this might be a bad guess. Will Chamberlain.
2: No, that would have been a good guess, but it's not Will Chamberlain. Morris. Jerry West. No. Back row, anybody, any? 11. Uh, Bueller, <laughs> yes, 11. Uh, Rick Barry. Ooh. Rick Barry. Right. Rick Barry, one of the more underrated, great scorers in the history of the game. He's great, you know, Hall of Famer, but Rick Barry was an unbelievable scorer. ABA and also NBA. Yeah, Paul.
3: You know, whenever we mention stats like this, it's usually a player on a team that's getting not a lot of help and doesn't go very far in the playoffs. You know if you look at James Harden, remember when he was on that run 35-10, all that stuff, they never went very far. Like is Luka going to be going to be in the same boat? It seems like he's got a couple guys that could score on his team. And you know, It's not
2: a bad team. It's just he doesn't have that second guy that you can count on every single night. Yeah. Uh Dinwiddie is a nice player.
3: Uh Dorian Finney Smith. Dorian I'm checking their stats. Yeah. But the fact uh, that you have to search for the name
2: But it's not a great team. And I did watch some of uh, John Morant. God, He had a move where he goes to the hoop, and he's going up right-handed, switched to left-handed, and then dunked on somebody. Even when he, he stole an inbounds pass, that was crazy athletic. He's so much fun to watch. I don't know if they're as good as they think they are, but, man... He's as good as he thinks he is. Yeah, Marv.
4: I think this might be a Derrick Rose MVP type season for him. He's got the highlights to go oh, with man. probably the record and how yeah. good the team is or how good they think they are because, yeah. boy, they do
2: think a lot about themselves. John Moran is 23. Yikes. <laughs> you just, it, it makes me wonder, how did anybody stop him in college? You watch him, he should average 40 points a game. But, I mean, he's doing pretty well, averaging 29. But, you know, how many guys do we have scoring over 30 points, averaging over 30 points so far? What do you have, five guys maybe, more? Yeah.
4: This is maybe uh, not an indication, but in an indictment on the recruiting.
2: <laughs> yeah. How did he
4: get to Murray <laughs> yeah. State? I know. But maybe was he one of those late bloomers? I don't know. Like- I
2: think somebody went in, they were scouting somebody else, and then they saw him. And I think he wasn't even
5: playing. He was, like, off in the corner. I think it was, like, a three-on-three tournament or something crazy like that. And he was, like, off in a
2: corner, not even a part of it, playing. And that's how he ended up at Murray State because nobody was looking at him. And they might have been there to see Zion in a game and then noticed that John Morant was over here. And, like, uh, that guy seems pretty athletic. And he's doing everything right right now. Like, you see, he hit a half-quarter last night that was just pretty. How about on this day? This person set an NBA record with 49 rebounds in a game. <laughs> it's not Will Chamberlain. Oh, see, it's got it. Oh. It's Bill Russell. Okay, wow. Bill. 49 rebounds. Decent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, you have to understand shooting percentages weren't very good back then. That's why you had the opportunity to get 49 rebounds. (laughs) No. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, Tom.
6: He couldn't find a way to get that 50th somehow?
2: I don't know if he ever really uh, cared about stats there. Yes, Mark.
4: That is my favorite thing. So when Bill Russell passed away, they were playing old uh, Celtics games. Yeah. It was ridiculous. (laughs) We're... How Jerry West was shooting is how you shoot now. <laughs> how everyone else was shooting was just that you stand still and you uh, uh, you yeah. push a little bit. All right. No disrespect to Dolph Shays or whoever, but nah. And what? all going one way too?
2: Well, I think the guy who invented the modern-day jump shot was Hank Lucetti. Now you can check that. Uh, I think L-U-S-E-T-T-I, Hank Lucetti. And, and, and you know, guys used to stand and do that little set shot. And then he had this jumper, and they're like, oh, my God, did you see what he – like, It's like, it'd be like the first forward pass in college football. Yeah, Paul. Do
3: you see that clip for that the recruit, Victor Wimbayana? Yeah. And he had that kind of running three where he almost yes. like shot put it in. That was a standard shot back in the day. The Jerry West shot used to be that kind of like running forward push jumper shot. Yeah. Um, There are seven players in the NBA, I'm sorry, eight players in the NBA averaging 30 or more a game. Oh, my gosh. John Morant's not one of them. Kevin Durant, Giannis, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, and if anyone gets the last one, I'll give you three bonus points. There's a hyphen involved.
2: Oh, and this guy should be mentioned for MVP this year. Shea, Gilgis, Alexander. SGA. SGA. I know people aren't going to watch Oklahoma City. That's correct. But if you get the opportunity and you come across an Oklahoma City game, I promise you this kid has taken the next step. And I, I he is a great basketball player. Great basketball player. Peacock has the most live sports of any streaming service. Watch live games and events from the Premier League, NASCAR, PGA Tour, every Sunday night football, and much more, including this award-nominated program, all streaming on Peacock. Yes, Todd?
6: I'm seeing someone named Kenny Saylor's uh, invented the, supposedly, the mm. uh, the jump shot, but Hank Lucetti popularized it.
2: Oh, okay.
6: So you definitely had, uh, all right. had well, that possibility. Well, thank
2: you, Todd. You got I appreciate that. I hope you were with us yesterday when we had Jim Jackson on, former NBA player and now an NBA analyst. Very, very sharp. And, and we talked about a couple of things. What's wrong with Ben Simmons? And I just wanted to hear from a former player because I played the game, obviously not at a high level, but I'm trying to understand what is going on with Ben Simmons. Here is a portion of what Jim Jackson had to say about Simmons.
6: I think it's gotten to him so much mentally in regards to what has happened up to this point that it's built a block in his mind he doesn't even look at the rim, and he's the kind of guy. Dan and I used to always say this: in off season and practice, he's shooting the basketball with confidence. He's in there knocking down free throws in open rec. He's doing it, but when the lights come on, and you don't see instant success where that first shot goes in, if it's an air ball or it clinks off, all of that work he just put in, throw it out the door. Mentally, he's not strong enough to fight through that fact, coupled with what he's reading, what he's hearing outside the arena and around him. And it's tough because he's such a talented player. How do you correct it? That's a psychological issue. Forget about basketball. I think if something happened in his life, a roadblock came up, it would be the same kind of scenario in regards to him blocking that out and being less aggressive in whatever activity that was.
2: That's uh, Jim Jackson. Yesterday, Sham Sharania just had this uh, that uh, he tweeted this thirty minutes ago. There is uh, building frustration surrounding Ben Simmons' availability and level of play. Sources say he just had this come out on the Athletic. What? There's
5: people are questioning this.
2: Yeah, Ben Simmons'
5: level of play. building Workout.
2: frustration. <laughs> The availability to play is the key word there. The level of play, I know exactly what I'm going to get out of Ben Simmons. Because nobody saw his availability being an issue. No. Well, we thought that he was healthy now. But I guess knee issues and does he want to play? And, and that's what it comes back to. I want to know if you love the game. Like, you, Do you truly love the game? And I don't think he does. Sometimes you're good at something and you just do it. Other guys love it so much. They're not as good, but they love it. And then they make themselves better. Ben already started out on third base where you're that talented, that tall, that athletic. Now do you want to get home? You want to be an all-time great. And I don't know if he does. I also asked Jim Jackson, if you're the Lakers, if he was the GM Rob Polinka, would he consider trading Anthony Davis? Would you entertain the idea of trading Anthony Davis? I would be open to it.
6: Now, it would depend on who I can identify to get into a position to take over the reins of the Lakers when LeBron leaves. See, because that was the purpose of getting Anthony Davis anyway, right? Was to have a player in place, be able to assume the leadership role and kind of be the guy when LeBron finally be a free agency or he retires. So I think you got to look at everything because Anthony at this point, I think has proven that when he's healthy, he's very good, but he may, he may not be that number one guy that you thought you would have had that you saw coming from new
2: Orleans. Just sharp analysis here by Jim Jackson. Don't blow up this season. That's what he's saying. Don't blow it up. Just let's see what happens. And then, you know, what are you going to have? You're going to have cap space at the end of this season. Now, what do you want to do? Because this season feels like it is what it is, right there in front of you. I don't care how good Russell Westbrook is off the bench, there's still this lineup, these Lakers. Can they get in and play in game? Maybe. Could they get in eighth or seventh uh, Yeah, of course they could. Can LeBron stay healthy? Can AD stay healthy? What other team do you go, you know, if uh, the two-star players stay healthy, <laughs> you, like, you just can't go in with that philosophy. It's like saying, hey, if the Nets don't have any controversy, <laughs> You're going to have that. And with the Lakers, Jim's saying, don't blow it up. Let's wait and see what you have next year. And can you bring in people? Are players going to want to go play there? Don't give up your draft picks. Don't take on salary if you're going to trade for uh, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner. Very sharp stuff, Jim Jackson. All right, we'll get to uh, your phone calls coming up. Yes, Eden.
5: I have a poll question if you want. I wasn't expecting on going in this direction, but since we've been talking about it, I can throw it out. Okay, there. Okay All right. Uh, would you rather have Anthony Davis and a ring, or a draft pick that could potentially turn into Victor Wimbayama?: Oh, I want
2: Victor Wimbayama.: Even
5: though he got a, Anthony Davis has a ring, like I, it worked. You traded for him and, and won the championship.:
2: Or I could get it this 18 year- old that even the Greek freak says he's a special player. And I get to have him the rest of his career? Well, maybe. All right. Well, even five years. Would I rather have Victor? Yes, I would. Yeah. Because I got the best I can get out of Anthony Davis. Which was a ring. I know. It's nice. I feel like people are underappreciating winning. Yeah, but it was in the bubble. (laughs) (laughs) Still went up in the rafters. I know. That's what I I say to people. They're like, yeah, but he won it in the bubble. I said, uh, were they the only team playing in a bubble? Yes, Todd.
3: Couldn't they put that <laughs> banner
6: and case it in a giant bubble? Wouldn't that be you kind could, of fun? You could. You could. All right. Too.
3: Bloop bloop. Yeah, Paul. If you go back and watch those, the, the championship in the bubble, though, it doesn't look like an NBA <laughs> championship. There's like 18 staffers in the building with masks on, calmly clapping in the background as they win the. Last NBA title. I
2: looked, the floor's still 94 feet and the basket's still 10. Oh, feet you're low. going Normandale yes, Hoosiers I'm on. i going oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. My team's on the court. Yeah, my team. Coach, you only got four players. My team's on the floor. By the way, all the autograph calendars are sold out. We still have some great holiday items at danpatrick.com. We'll let you know about the next batch of moonshine. I told you it'd move quickly, and that's uh, two different batches that sold out in less than an hour. But uh, we appreciate your patience here. Uh, We have a great product here. We'll let you know when it's available again. When we come back, scoring's down. Passings down, running up. What is going on with the NFL? Find out after this on the Dan Patrick Show. That's called a tease, Todd. That was well done. Yeah, just, you know, you kind of throw it out there. You should win some awards.
6: Have you ever gotten anything? They should hand you something, some kind of trophy.
2: Yeah, I get individual awards, not team awards. That's
6: right. We bring you down, but you uh,
2: stand alone. But it's a tease just like M-Drive. Kind of teases you a little bit. Each morning where you go, I'm going to have another scoop, and I'm going to get... Energized, I'm going to get healthy. I am going to reduce stress.
6: Is that why you like do pull ups up in the top of the rafters there by the kitchen? See, I come in in the morning, you, you just know that it.
2: that's not true. You do chin ups, No, Actually, that's, few, that's no. not true.
6: Or you skip to your loo very nicely. You got you to spring. M drive's
2: black. Have you ever skipped to my loo? have I haven't either. I plan to. M drive's Black Friday sale is right now live offering 25% off. M drive, get started. Use the coupon code Dan at m Everything is backed by science and a 60-day money-back guarantee. You can find top-selling M-Drive products in stores like Rite Aid and Sprouts. Take advantage of M-Drive's best offer of the year. Feel more energy, strength, drive. Get 25% off with the code DAN at MDriveDan.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours.
1: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick slash promos.
2: There's a whole lot of snow headed towards Buffalo maybe three feet of snow headed to Buffalo. Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs go to L.A., battling Justin Herbert, Chargers, AFC West Showdown, Sunday 7 Eastern on NBC, and Peacock. Steve Palazzolo, he is uh, one of our favorites. You can uh, see him. He's the co-host of Pro Football Focus, NFL podcast, senior analyst, and uh, he. you can see more of him and uh, follow him, pff.com. The PFF app. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us. Why is scoring down in the NFL?
7: Yeah, Dan, I think there's a bunch of reasons. You know, there's not always one, but I think first off, defenses are playing a little bit softer. You know, they're kind of uh, sitting back, trying to get rid of those explosive plays. I think we've seen some of the more dependable quarterbacks just, you know, hit a wall in their career, whether it's Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. And then you have offensive lines. There's a few teams that have just hit a ridiculous run of injuries. So the Rams offensive line is the worst we've ever seen under Sean McVay. And Matthew Stafford, in turn, has not been able to do anything. So I think it's this combination of defenses playing a little bit softer, teams that have run into just ridiculous injury issues, and uh, and some of the older quarterbacks maybe just not being as dependable as they've been in the past.
2: Why are rushing numbers up?
7: I think there's some of the same reasons, you know, again, I think defenses are inviting the run a little bit more and then offenses are using the quarterbacks, right? If you're just looking at rushing numbers, you're, you're the quarterbacks are involved in that. So you see like what the bears have done with Justin Fields over the last couple of weeks in the design running game. And then as a scrambler, uh, Josh Allen with the bills, Jalen hurts and the Eagles, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And of course Lamar, I mean, he somewhat started this a couple of years ago. Um and then you even see a team like the Giants and Daniel Jones. They've been one of the most efficient offenses, in part because if you don't respect Daniel Jones as a runner, he'll pick up 10 to 15 yards and move the chains. So I think that's a big part of it as teams are starting to win the the numbers game up front by letting their quarterbacks be a part of the run game.
2: I said this a few years ago on the show that eventually somebody was gonna go counterattack and you were gonna run the football. Because defenses, it felt like you were looking for uh, faster guys, quicker guys, you had more cover guys, you had more edge rushers, and then you were going to have a team that was just basically going to say, you know, we're going to have brute force here and we're going to try to dominate you. We saw this with the Philadelphia Eagles and Washington Commanders. Uh, now, all of a sudden, everybody goes, well, the Eagles are susceptible uh, to the run. Uh, now they got the, the Colts coming up and they got the Titans, they got the Packers, they're not going to be able to stop them. Uh, what do you make of football going maybe a little more old school in having this power game running attack.
7: Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think it's I don't think it's a strategy that teams should chase in the offseason. You know, I don't think your offseason goal should be like, hey, let's not have a great quarterback. We're just going to run the ball. I I think you always have to chase the passing game, so to speak. But it's one of those things. If Daniel Jones is my quarterback, I'm probably not going to drop back 50 times and just let him go. So the Giants have to adjust to what they have the commanders game was perfect I mean that is like a coach's dream not only because they ran the ball but they got like four yards every time three four three yards here four yards there they're in third and short the entire time and then they just kept converting converting and it kept the Eagles off the field it, it the execution of it was perfect but it's a really difficult thing to chase every single week you know the, the Bucks like to run the ball too but they're in second and long all the time so then Brady ends up throwing the ball like crazy. So, it's one of those things where like the strategy of it and then the execution of it is different, but again, if you don't have a great quarterback, you do have to get creative and maybe lean on the run game just a little bit more.
2: How sustainable is what Justin Fields is doing?
7: Oh, I think it I think him as a runner is absolutely sustainable because again, when you're running, you know, a run concept up front, it's all about numbers game and once the quarterback is a is a runner and you're just you're winning right so when you put 8 in the box the the quarterback essentially negates the eighth person in the box and and now i get i think we get to see fields develop more as a passer he's still not there yet but it gives him time to develop as a passer cuz he's such a dynamic runner
2: yeah i just wonder about that that sometimes you'll fall in love with what people expect you to do you know, Brett Favre loved to take chances. You know, Mahomes' degree of difficulty. You know, sometimes you get caught up in there. Yeah, this is what people expect out of me. Josh Allen sometimes gets into this. And I wonder if Justin Fields goes, this is what I'm known for. If I only rush for 62 yards, people are going to go, what's wrong with you?
7: It's a good point. And, you know, it's on the Bears coaching staff to say, look, Justin, this is going to open things up. I think one of the things that's made Lamar Jackson so successful Lamar is still not the more most accurate quarterback in the NFL, but he completes a high percentage of passes because of his run threat. Because of his run threat, defenses are going to you know, account for the run, and the play-action game is that much more effective for a team like the Ravens. There's just more open throws. Fields, like Cole Komet, the tight end for the Bears, is all of a sudden this monster threat. He's just running wide open through the secondary because of all the misdirection in the play-action. So Fields needs to embrace that his run threat is going to also open up the pass game create some easier throws.
2: I know that you guys grade every team and you look at every play. Let's look at the Packers here. What did you see that they did against the Cowboys that could be sustainable for the second half of the season? It's tough to say
7: that Christian Watson scoring three touchdowns is sustainable, but you can at least see the explosive plays that the Packers have I mean their offense this year has been really hit or miss they would they would have games where they would just stretch teams horizontally try to create yards after the catch and take these low percentage shots down the field but Watson the second round rookie showed his speed and when you put him inside in the slot it it actually alters defenses you can't leave him one-on-one now because you know he's got four three speed that Aaron Rodgers is going to find so I think there is an explosive passing attack in there the Packers are still morphed into a run first team these last few weeks because of the inconsistency of their receivers. Um, And that has set up these big plays in the past game. So I think there's an element of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are a good starting point. Aaron Rodgers now can actually create big plays because of Christian Watson and and the big playability, the speed that he brings to the table. I don't think it's going to be as difficult for this Packers offense, just moving the chains because of the speed element of Watson.
2: Steve Palazzolo on uh, joining us now, senior analyst, co-host of pro football focus, the NFL podcast. You know, sometimes we look at a quarterback and he's successful because of his wide receiver. Sometimes we look at wide receivers and say they're successful because they're quarterback. How would you assess Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the Dolphins?
7: Yeah, it's, it's always fun to try to separate those two things. I mean, obviously, Tua is playing much better this year. Uh, it, it's, it's not as simple as here's this guy who played at X level and then you add Tyree Kill and he's at Y, right? It's not necessarily that simple but you see what the Dolphins are doing open throws all over the place the speed is so evident with Tyree kill Jalen Waddle their running backs but two is executing it what what he's doing right now though is also cutting back on the boneheaded plays if you go back through his tape the last couple years there's all these random throws to safeties and just bad plays late in the game didn't always come back to bite but he's eliminated those in recent weeks so I think on one hand You have to credit the Dolphins for putting all those weapons around him, but Tua is executing. He's getting the ball into their hands. He's been accurate, and he hasn't made those boneheaded decisions, and he's always been great at not taking negative plays, not taking those sacks, even behind a rough offensive line. So I think all those things are adding up to Tua playing at really a high level this year.
2: Who's the best wide receiver in the NFL, grade-wise?
7: I'm not sure who we, have, who we have the highest graded at the moment, but I would always take Tyree Hill. I mean, I, because I, I don't even, our grades are really good at capturing production. I don't think our grades can even capture what Tyree Kill does for an offense. I know that the Chiefs kind of took a step back with him last year, but man, every the the, 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 the need to account for Tyree Kill, the, the fear that he instills just if you have to leave him one-on-one, And the fact that you could put Tyreek Hill in the slot and give him 150 catches, you could put him outside and have him average 20 yards per reception. You can actually let him do whatever you want, depending on what the offense calls for. So I would take Tyreek Hill over anybody in the NFL.
2: Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson.
7: Jefferson's up there, obviously. I mean, the clutch plays and everything, but Tyreek Hill is an offense changer. The Dolphins go from one of the worst offenses to one of the best. Tua gets some of that credit, but Tyree Kill is absolutely the extract.
2: Okay, who else would factor in there? non-quarterback who changes your offense or changes the defense? Is is Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry in that category or, or conversation that Tyree Kill maybe stands alone?
7: Yeah, I mean, Chubb and Henry definitely change the defense and they open things up for the quarterback, but not at the same level. Again, the, I'm always, the pass game is just more effective than the run game overall. So changing the run game a little bit, Yeah, they do change defenses, but not at the same level as a wide receiver. I think A.J. Brown in Philadelphia, you're seeing what he's adding, right? Just adding an X receiver so that all the other receivers have a little bit less pressure off them, and it's just putting the defense in a bind. A.J. Brown to me was the most effective first-round pick. You know, the Eagles traded for him, paid him the night of the draft, and I think um, On the night of the draft, that was the best first-round pick. Everybody should want to add A.J. Brown because he does change that offense. And you, know, you can see what they've done in Philadelphia with him.
2: Any hope for the Chargers? They've got the Chiefs coming up on Sunday night?
7: Yeah, I mean, we talked about offenses being down. Justin Herbert's been throwing to third, fourth, and fifth-string receivers this entire season. It's it's really going to come down to health. I think with Brandon Staley and his aggressiveness that the media loves to either you know pick apart or praise, uh, we'll see which way it goes. But you know he's going to play to win. And to me, it's going to come down to those receivers. And Justin Herbert throwing the ball down the field. The guy has a cannon with great downfield accuracy, and the Chargers have to tap into it and uh, and try to flip the field because Herbert's capable of doing that.
2: Have you guys looked at college quarterbacks yet?
7: Yeah, we have guys grading them all the time. Um, I think it's, a, it's it's a bit of an open, you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, some people like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, um, I don't know if we have a consensus top guy just yet, but we're grading every single play of college right now. But
2: even Miami. somebody like Drake May, who's a redshirt freshman at North Carolina, you guys—he's
7: been the best. He's been the most most valuable quarterback in the uh, in college football this year by our numbers. He's awesome.
2: If you had a Heisman
7: vote. Uh, I might go Drake May because I, I believe in the purity of the best player. I think May's been the best and most valuable player. I know most voters are looking for Heisman moments and you know undefeated teams and all that stuff, but I I think Drake May's been the best player. And he's, he does have a chance to go win the ACC championship, so maybe he can actually get himself into that conversation. If
2: I gave you an MVP vote, NFL?
7: Oh, I'd go Patrick Mahomes. I yeah. think the fact that we see how special Tyree Kill's been in Miami, the fact that Mahomes has kept that Chiefs offense, at such a high level. Um, I know we still has Travis Kelsey, but Mahomes, high volume and grading extremely well. I think Mahomes
2: is, is the MVP right now. Good to talk to you as always, Steve. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Dan. Steve Palazzolo, senior analyst, co-host, of Pro Football Focus NFL podcast. Interesting about Tyreek Hill. You know, they, they gave up a lot. Dolphins had to pay a lot, but it's working out for both. And then remember what the um, the company line was with the Chiefs. They're going to be a different offense. Were they going to be better, is what I wanted to know. A different offense because you had more weapons. Tua gives, uh, it now has two go to guys. You got Waddle, who is unbelievable. Like, that's one of those where you watch Waddle, after, you're going to watch Tyreek Hill and go, There's nobody like him. And then you see Waddle and you go, Well, he's, he's not Tyreek Hill. Only because you're on the field, and that's who you're being compared to. Jalen Waddle is an elite receiver. But I don't know if we're going to give Tua enough credit. It might be those wide receivers are so good. It always goes back to what I thought when I watched Ohio State. When you had Dwayne Haskins there, I didn't know how good he, or Cardale Jones, I didn't know how good he was because I knew the wide receivers were NFL ready. And that's probably what's going to hurt too a little bit here with the MVP. Uh, Alberto in Chicago is back. Alberto, thanks for joining us. Hey.
4: Okay. Hi,
5: guys. Hi. Uh, first of all, it's pronounced uh, there, anyway, no,
2: Al- uh, Alberto. Alberto. Uh,
5: uh, uh, so one quick question. You talk about the Cowboys looking for Sean uh, Payton to take over. How about the Bills taking Sean Payton? They got a lot of toys over there. I don't know. He's an offensive court. He's an
2: offensive mind wait, coach. Wait, 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 Buffalo. Yeah. Why? Why would they move on from Sean McDermott?
5: Well, I mean, you talk about the Cowboys. Like they're not, If they don't. If they don't get past the NFC Championship. And there's a possibility of them...
2: Well, no, no, th- this is just my thought on that, Alberto. Thanks for the phone call. You just have to factor in Jerry Jones. And people were surprised that he coveted Mike McCarthy to begin with. Feels like that could be an opportunity. And Sean Payton's name has been attached to the Cowboys for a decade. Oh, if that opens up, if that opens up, okay. Sean Payton can stay in TV until the job opens up if he does want that. But with Jerry Jones, it's tricky. This is just my, and I have no information on this, no sources, no nothing. It just feels like if the Cowboys don't make it to the NFC title game, then I would not be shocked if Jerry Jones moved on for Mike McCarthy. I wouldn't. Because you know you have Sean Payton there. Sometimes when you you may not fire somebody because you don't have somebody who is that much better. I, although I did always wonder that Jerry never moved on from Jason Garrett, and we knew there were candidates that were better than what Jason Garrett was doing in Dallas. But with Mike McCarthy, I think you know Jerry is what 80 years of age. He, he's building a team, maybe bringing OBJ, you know, to get back. He has wanted. He spent what the last 30 years trying to prove it wasn't Jimmy Johnson who won those Super Bowls; it was me. Well, we've seen how that's gone. Now, they've made some great draft picks. But keep in mind, two players they were going to take. They were going to take Johnny Manziel. He wanted Johnny Manziel. He didn't even want Dak Prescott. From what I'm told, they were going to take Connor Cook, the Michigan State quarterback. Okay? Factor that in. They could have made two really bad decisions there. But they are a... Good team, quality team, and everybody keeps waiting for OBJ, and is that gonna be the difference there? I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't go very far if Jerry doesn't make a decision like that. If you know now if Sean Payton goes, Jerry, I don't want to do it. I don't wanna I don't wanna come in right now. He might stay with Mike McCarthy. Jason Garrett lasted nine.
0: Radio.
1: Listen to the Folly and Tony Fusco show on the iHot Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, everybody,
4: game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that, but there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock.
5: include their own unique mini games like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies.
4: There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on.
0: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes.
2: Choose from the full lineup of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They bring the tires to your home or office and install them on site. Go to TireRack.com slash Dan, see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to keep an eye out for the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Dan. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like,
1: a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, the Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime.
2: Stat of the day is always brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Here it comes. There it goes. It's my favorite part of the song, just that. You're not pro doors usually. I'm not pro doors. Until this guy comes in and starts ruining it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this guy.
5: Yeah. This guy starts doing poetry over yeah.
3: this
2: jam. We're yeah.
3: enjoying a nice organ jam. <sighs> yeah. yeah. And
2: then Jim Morrison wants to take off his pants. <laughs> He was the Lizard
3: King. That was their first album, right? Jim Morrison wants to take Take, off his pants.
2: And then I forgot that he took off his pants in New Haven, Connecticut.
3: Yeah, a lot of bars and restaurants in New Haven, Connecticut, you could find the the mugshot of Jim Mm, Jim Morrison. Yeah. Could you imagine being in a band where you're just not quite
2: sure if that guy's going to show up? And if he does, what's going to happen every single night? You know, there's things like Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, you know, drank a lot of beer, uh, but he he got on stage and he was a great performer. Now you thought, man, he's crazy when he got up there, but there he was a performer. He knew he was going to perform and had to perform every single night. Jim Morrison, you know, I think he would do shows where I think he would sing. He would he would be performing with his back to the audience, and you're going, what what's Jim doing tonight? I don't know how, that diffi- how difficult that would be to be in a band where you go, like Keith Moon with The Who. You're not quite sure if he's showing up or not, and if he is, is he going to be all
3: there? Yeah, Paul? I've I read a lot of stories about Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses concerts after they got really big time that the, the organizer would be like, "Where's is- he's not in the building yet. It's 845. We're supposed to start at 8. Axl Rose isn't even on the property yet, and there's no cell phone. There's no one tracking him. It's, it's wild stuff.
2: Well, Lauren Hill from the Fuji's, she would famously not show up. Or she'd show up three hours late and then just walk out and, you know, start singing. It is odd that, like, you could be
5: like somebody and, oh, wait, that's right. We got a show tonight. <laughs> well, I'll just make them wait.
2: Or, you know, you're around somebody and then they start drinking before the show. And then they keep drinking. And then all of a sudden they have to go out and start singing. And then they go out there and then they're a mess. And then they forget the lyrics to a song. Which sometimes is kind of
5: endearing. Like I used to go see this band called uh, the Bouncing Souls all the time, and they have this song called Born to Lose. And it's just basically about, like, what a loser uh, they are. (laughs) You know, that's a band. And uh, the dude would sing it. He's like, Born to Lose. And it's a big sing-along. And he would usually be a little in his cups and forget the lyrics. And the first time you see them do that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's really funny. And then after a while, it's kind of like, come on, dude, just remember your stinking lyrics. Yeah.
3: What are you doing? Just just sing the song now. Yeah, we don't ask much. Yeah, Paulie. That uh, Stone Temple Pilots seemed like they were a bit of a mess back in the day. They were, didn't have a long run. But uh, I read some stories about them, too, that Scott Weiland was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Rest, rest in peace, obviously. Yeah. But like I'm saying as far as a yeah, you know, band himself. where they didn't know who was going to show up.
2: But even if you remember with the Stones and Keith Richards, they, they would record when they were in the south of France, when they did Exile on Main Street. There were times they couldn't wake up band members to be able to record. And I think there's like Bill Wyman or Keith Richards. They just couldn't wake him up.
3: I like think you're not sure who it was. They had multiple. <laughs> well,
2: one. it could have been. That's a multiple choice for sure. Take your pick. Well, I would start with Keith Richards and, and then I would work my way down with the band. Jagger would show up but I, I think they had to bring in people and are like, uh, yeah, we can't get him. Uh, do you want to play? Sure, I'll play on Exile and Main Street. Yeah, see. Keith Richards tells the
5: best stories about their banner, like where their songs came from sometimes. And there's one very famous story about uh, where Satisfaction... Came from I Can't Get No Satisfaction, right? That, bam, bam, na, 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 and that he woke up one day from like a stupor that he had been in. And apparently he had had like recording equipment with him. And he went back and listened to it. And the last thing on the tape was him going, da, na, 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 I can't get no
2: satisfaction. And that's the last thing that it goes on to be this massive. Wow. And you watch when you watch the Stones in concert. I'm always fascinated with Keith because he has these unbelievable guitar riffs and he'll he'll take his cigarette, and he'll put it on the neck of his guitar. Can't waste a ciggy. And, and he's just, he's in his own little world. He lets Jagger be Jagger, and you're the star. Go be a rock star. Prance around a little bit. But the demeanor of Keith is more of a jazz musician than it is a rock and roll musician. Yeah, Pony.
3: When you guys see that Keith Richards is going to turn 80 next year. I had you, the under. Do you consider not... Pursuing a healthy lifestyle and just say, hey, everyone's got a number that they're going to die at no matter what you ingest. Because my guess is the under, he's beaten the under many times. Well, I, and I think he stopped smoking cigarettes. (laughs)
2: Like, you know, it might be too late. There's no more left after him. Yeah. And he, he stopped doing heroin, you know, just simple things. But then you'll get these musicians who think, well, that guy was on drugs when they did this or, you know, uh, charlie parker was on heroin or whatever it might be or miles davis was I'm, i want to be just like them well that doesn't make you miles davis or these great musicians hey i'm doing heroin yeah and you're still the same musician you're not going to be somebody different like, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm charlie parker
5: yes yeah, he i love that he's like uh Read a thing here. Keith Richards said he quit heroin in 1978 and stopped doing cocaine in 2006. Oh, you don't want to go cold turkey. Yeah, you don't want to go cold turkey. And then just a few years back, uh, uh, like 2020, he started getting nicotine patches. So yeah. he stopped
2: smoking. Hey, it, it's never too late. He kept doing coke for like another 20 something years. Never too late. Never too late. Uh, I had somebody close to me who finally went to rehab. Five days later passed away, but I applauded him that he he finally went to rehab and then five days later passed away. And I thought, you know what? Good for you. Good for you. You finally went. Yes, Mark.
4: Keith Richards definitely knew who was who and what was what. Oh,
2: yes, he did. Yes. And just the hangers on who must have been around the stones back then because they rented a villa in the south of France. And they just had parties all night. And they, and they produced a double album. They produced one of the great rock and roll albums of all time. Exile and Mainstream*.
3: <laughs> yeah, Paul. There's this great Sam Kinison bit, the great comedian. And he does this bit about drugs and say no to drugs. He goes, I saw a thing. Keith Richards did an ad, say no to drugs. We didn't say no to drugs because you used them all. You didn't leave <laughs> any for us. We have to say no now. Use them all, Keith.
2: All of them. Uh, we have an NFL game.
3: Do we have time for this, Paulie? Yeah, easy segue here. Okay, from cocaine used to heroin. Most sacked quarterback. Okay, who? (laughs) who Well,
2: Keith has been sacked before. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Bloop
3: bloop. I'll try to shoehorn this in. Who is the most sacked quarterback in the league? Not number of sacks, but sacks per game. Oh, per game. So the number one, because those are two different people. Okay, like per game, this quarterback is the most sacked quarterback.
2: And this quarterback probably is one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the NFL.
3: Y- yeah, I, I know where you're going. You're Justin Fields? Justin Fields? Justin Fields is second. Oh! He's been sacked 36 times in 10 games. Joe Burrow's third, nine nine games, 30 sacks. Yes, Seaton. Russell Wilson Jr., the third. That's a good
2: boop, 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 bloop. Ding, ding, ding. constantly <laughs> <laughs> good.
3: Eight games, 29 sacks. Over three and a half no, sacks no. a game.
2: it's let's block. Yeah. <laughs> let's block. <laughs> run, run, incomplete. Yeah, we got the Broncos t-shirt available. Blood, Todd.
6: Sack, sack, incomplete punt, I guess. He's, he doesn't get out of the way anymore. He just gets sacked.
2: Final hour coming up. Thank you, Todd. You're one more item as we close that hour, too. We all have different ideas about success, and we achieve it at different times in different ways. But let's say you've changed jobs. Maybe you're thinking about retirement. Maybe your own version of success in striving to reach your financial goals. Maybe it's time to start thinking about investment portfolios and retirement accounts. And who knows what's going to happen in the market? That's why you want to have somebody there who's going to help you. Retirement's a big deal when it comes to investing. You can't afford to make mistakes, and you shouldn't do it alone. Well, Stiefel Financial Advice Advisors have helped clients just like you for over 130 years. They will help create personalized retirement plans, understand the many options for claiming Social Security, and implement an investment portfolio designed around your needs. And that's just the start. As a client, you have access to Stiefel's award-winning equity research and investment strategy views, enabling you to make informed decisions regarding your hard-earned wealth. Stiefel, S-T-I-F-E-L dot com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE.